Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. You're listening to the Jay Bird Watching Podcast, the official podcast of jaysjournal.com and fansided.com, where we discuss all things Toronto Blue Jays baseball. We'll talk about news, rumors, and game recaps. So whether you're a diehard fan or just getting started with the team, this is the podcast for you. Here's your host, Craig Borden, with co-host Jason Lyons and me, Ken Alfred. You're listening to the Jay Bird Watching Podcast. Happy winter. I mean, spring training, all Blue Jays fans. How are we all doing this evening? Another issue of Jaybird watching an actual spring training games have taken place episode now that we are going, you know, five days into actual games at this point. Um, I am Craig Borden, your host, the official podcast of jaysjournal.com, part of Fanside. Ken, Jason, how are we doing this evening? Doing all right. I'm just glad it's uh, one more day closer to the weekend. But uh, aside from that, doing pretty good. Good deal, Jason. Yeah. We uh, we got uh, walloped with a, uh, a spring snowstorm out here. So needless to say, my rotator cuff on both arms is quite inflammated from dig. We don't dig. I don't. You don't dig rain, right? Like I mean, yeah. rain's like hell out here. I don't ever have to dig it, plow it. <laughs> yeah. So. It's a bit of a winter wonderland out there, but uh, yeah, I, it, I found a few things interesting about the 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 preseason, and one in, in particular is how bad the Pittsburgh Pirates commentating is. Holy Moses! I was going to make a comment about that, Jason. Too, I looked, I was listening to. I'm like, are they two amateurs? They're oh, doing it was bad, really bad. It's oh, like come on, we could have done a better it. job of that. That's actually how this whole podcast got started, ironically. Ari being a part of that. Uh, our other guest this evening, Ari Shapiro. How you doing, my friend? You know, all these years, you keep calling me Shapiro instead of Shapiro. But for the first, Shapiro. Time, okay. for the first <laughs> time ever on your show, I can honestly say to your face, feel free to do that. That, that's how gotcha. I feel the to that point i guess that's me, me being the lone american in the room i gotta be that guy that butchers <laughs> one name <laughs> so but you know you have because after this year i've got a feeling they're going to be calling a lot of people shapiro whose name is like mine because it's a it's a hell of a blue jays team really exciting stuff there is that so to your point guys i do agree with you the pittsburgh pirates announcing team does need a little bit of spring training help <laughs> so I do have to give props to Jason with the awesome Vancouver Canadians hat. <laughs> I haven't seen one of those in a while. That's a newer one though, right? They're going to do that this year. Well, it was one of their original. Um, so the, the, where the stadium is the, the, so little mountain, the, the little league team that just went to the, to, to won the nationals and went to Williamsport and actually won a couple of games down there. We played mm-hmm. against them and they're the mountaineers. So as you can see, it, oh. This is their logo. 
And so at one point, I think the Jay, or the Canadians were actually called the Mountaineers or you, you, there was some sort of reference to the, to them being the Mountaineers. So now um, little mountain, their baseball BC team is called the, the Mountaineer, the Rocky Mountain. Yeah. The Mountaineers. So. There you go. Thank you for the history lesson, sir. Anytime. <laughs> so speaking of history, I didn't even have time to uh, put this in our headline fund this morning, this evening, but apparently um, Robert Longley of the Toronto sun record reported with the best Phil Collins uh, headline ever on the uh, Toronto sun's website today, about five hours ago, no jacket required. Blue Jays pack away the home run jacket as part of their gritty new attitude is the article. Um, Gentlemen, this more or less coalesced to the fact that they're retiring the home run jacket to quote unquote, get serious. <laughs> so Ari, how are you feeling? Because I, regardless of uh, all things light and what this, uh, the home run jacket really represented, is this a odd move? I, you do have to have a way to lighten things up over 162 games. You know, Gregors, this is an inevitable move is what it is, because I'm actually surprised it took this long for anyone to write about this. I think we, all three of us in this room here kind of understood that uh, the, the the missing point of affirmation after changing your culture, which the Blue Jays did, right? I mean, they culturally changed their lineup by getting players who aren't concerned with things like home run jackets and sunflower seeds and fancy handshakes and fancy haircuts and things like that. And, you know, it's funny because I think you, you kind of baited me with this topic. You knew that earlier uh, last year, that was the thing that I was, was quite frankly ranting about, which is that the Blue Jays were never a team that were missing talent. You know, it didn't seem like they were missing a sense of uh, direction because obviously the organization has been putting faith in them signing so many different free agents in the offseason. Which is, which is a rare thing around these parts, but somehow it's become normalized. It's almost like every offseason now we expect that the front office will do something to help the team. But the one thing that they didn't do for many years was address the fact that they were not a very serious baseball team. And you know exactly what I'm referring to. This was not the kind of club that seemed to play the game to win. They seemed to play the game more for entertainment, right? How often did we see during meaningless games and even in spring training to a lesser degree, we're still seeing it from Vladdy, but this decision now to no longer have home run jackets, I think is the first step on making this team more credible in the eyes of the competition. Cause if you ask anyone around the American league who plays on opposing teams, the blue Jays, you know, we're always respected for having all this talent and, and, and being all hyped up by the Americans, which they are, you know, this year, I think on average, the average American publication picks them to be like the sixth or seventh, best team in all of baseball that's significant that means you're getting respect from down south the problem is the way they were playing was leaving a lot of their own fans i think uh, somewhat uh, disillusioned at how serious a club they were and having a home run jacket are you kidding me putting that whatever that was that you know five dollar bin i mean if you're gonna have a home run jacket at least go out and get armani get get some kind of designer jacket right but they were wearing this cheap garbage you're thinking like full-on like velour like <laughs> Crushed velvet. I'm going to that as part of my culture. I'll wear velvet. But the, what they were doing was just making a mockery of the game. You know, I don't want to make it seem so intense, but it's true. Like, no one, ask anyone who really liked that whole tradition that seemed to just come out of left field from somebody who's still in high school. 
I'm the weird one that apparently still is a five-year-old at heart. Same here. <laughs> <laughs> they enjoyed I, it, but I do get your argument, Jason. I will let you yeah, pick up where uh, Ari I, left I, off there. I feel like Ari's got, like, he's he's really banging around the head of the nail. Um, you know, like, one of the things that I always impress on my kids, and I hope that, you know, we see less and less of, is the completely unnecessary celebration. Um, you know, you score the six, one goal in a hockey game and you're pulling out the arrow and doing this, like give it a rest. Okay. Like act like you've scored another goal in your whole life. Um, for me, you know, I kind of like the idea of having something fun. Like, I mean, sure. You know, maybe you get a sombrero or you get a cool hat or you get something fun because hmm. the kids like it and the kids, then it, it bleeds down. Like I guarantee you there were little league teams that had a home run jacket after that. And probably that they probably really like it. And so for some of those things, I, I do see the benefit of it. Um, you know, I like, I kind of like the, who was doing the shop, the, the laundry cart was that the, the Red Sox oh, stupid Red Sox. Unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, didn't mind that. You know, I, I never liked the one where the Yankees did the, the camera as the guy came down. I thought that was a bit. Oh, and then they started doing the stone cold Steve Austin thing. Yeah. And <laughs> all that kind I mean, of stuff too. So that was more of a handshake. <laughs> at the heart of the game, it is supposed to be fun, but I'm 100% with Ari that sometimes you can take something to the point where you start to look like a joke, not like a, you know, not like it's a serious thing that you're supposed to be out there trying to win. That's really yeah. well said. And, and because you have children, you made a great point. It's important to do things for the kids. I mean, it's a, it's a child's game. It's where the wonderment started for all of us. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I think I speak for all of us when I say that we were very little when we first picked up the game, but I think as an organization, I think the powers that be looked down at the players up in the, you know, the front office and said to themselves, this is too much. We're, we're more concerned about celebrating things we haven't even won yet. I mean, it's different if this team has won a couple of playoff rounds and is a World Series contender every year, but they're still learning how to win. And in, with every team, there is that arc where you have to learn how to win. It's not just enough to win. You have to learn how to win professionally and in the clutch. And I think that getting rid of this home run jacket nonsense and replacing players who swore by it, like a Hernandez or a Gurriel Jr. with serious gamers who are too busy running the bases and trying to play station to station baseball like a Varsho, a belt or a kiermeyer that that speaks volumes doesn't it yeah so ken in the midst of this whole thing um john schneider has come out and say supporting the decision as i read further and further into this uh, argument and in the midst of this i can agree with the fact of retiring it when you all of a sudden bring in a giant should be hall of famer monster presence that is don mattingly <laughs> into this dugout along with all these other veterans and Brandon Belt. There's ways to have fun, but to your point, maybe there is. I, I'm all for excessive celebration, especially in a blowout, but maybe I'm just a giant jackass and a bad sportsman. <laughs> so it is what it is. But to that point, how do you feel on this? before we uh, pick up and move into the new rules here that are clearly going to start some fun uh, in major league baseball. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to say boo earns for this decision. I know it's uh, I do agree that, you know what, the culture is kind of changing within the team. Like you said, we, we got a bunch of new players that, uh, you know, haven't been around. They might've seen this jacket, but they're like, I don't know, do we need to put this thing on? But I know from like the casual fan, like myself and uh, like a lot of the kids out there, you know, we, it is going to be sorely missed. But at the same time, if you're asking the fans to pick between a jacket or a world series win, I think we're kind of okay with a World Series win. Like you said, we, they okay could probably come up with something else during the season. And, uh, you know, looking forward to seeing that. 
Well, clearly Vlad isn't going to stop throwing sunflower seeds at his uh, <laughs> boss. Just saying. <laughs> Because <laughs> we all saw that the other day during John, John Snyder's uh, interview. So, hey, there's got to be some level of shenanigans. And honestly, the only thing that I'm upset about with this whole thing is I think it would have been a little bit of a team building move to retire this on the day of opening day. Let the kids have fun during spring training. <laughs> They're clearly putting the work in. You know, there's something to be, you know, spring training games mean nothing. So if you're blowing everybody out and having a good time, you're not worried about it. Like you said, you'll find a way to celebrate that. And I think that this is part of the education of Vlad, right? They did this because they want Vlad to be a more serious player. Because last year, he maybe he wasn't as serious last year. Maybe the reason he struggled had less to do with ability and pitchers adapting and the fact that he was too busy having fun and not keeping his eye on the ball. Yeah. So just because we're harping on veteran presence here, I'm altering our schedule. (laughs) You guys read into the fact that apparently we are going to have more veteran presence on this coaching staff. And it's not just the Don Mattingly's Um, Edwin Encarnacion is apparently in camp looking for a full-time job with the Toronto Blue Jays. We have Pat Hankin also in camp doing the same thing who, like we were talking about prior to uh, the spring training, actually kicking off. We need a new bullpen coach. He's done that job already. Is he possibly going to be that guy? I'll give you to, you know, whatever it takes at that point, you bring a side young award pitcher in like Pat Hank and good things usually tend to happen. And then the other fun part about this is they have Victor Martinez of all people, never been a blue Jay, but one of the best hitters of his time. Um, like I said, it's not just Don Mattingly. Ken, there is a lot of veteran presence in this spring training camp trying to take this team to the next level. And we talked about John Schneider possibly, excuse me, being the igniter for this team as far as the crazy speech that we've only heard tidbits over since our last recording. Do you think that that's um, a good piece to where this puzzle is going in the right direction? Yeah, absolutely. Like just thinking about it, you know, you're like Pat Hankin, like you said, signing a one reader, one of the prettiest pitching forms I've ever seen in my entire life. He was so smooth on the mound, definitely brings that leadership role to, to the bullpen. And uh, Encarnacion, he, I think it was his season, that 15, 16 run. That's when I really got back into being with being a big fan of the Jays again. Right. So any presence is good in this case, because, uh, you know, like you said, we're going for a cultural shift and we're bringing in some not outsiders or even like legends as well. But, uh, I think they're going to bring some good dynamics to the team to say, okay, let's buckle down. we got 162 games to go. Let's see. Let's, let, let's take this home. Yeah. And those could be the big reasons of getting somebody in or out of slump over that 162 game season. Jason, which of those are you liking the most? Because there's a lot to unpack there with that quartet yeah. that you're bringing into spring training. I, I, I was always an Edwin fan. I always liked him. I liked the way that he held himself. I liked the way that he, he was at the ball, you know, he, he was at the ballpark every day, but I think the biggest one out of this and my, my hope is that they can find a spot for him is Victor Martinez. Um, I watched that game. And I watched how many players were engaged with Victor Martinez. Victor's son was there, um, but like everybody was talking to him. It's not like just a couple of guys went up and every single time they flashed the camera to the the bullpen, they were all around him and everyone was, was, you know, like everybody had a stance and their hands up and they were talking about 
you know, what they were actually supposed to be doing, which is looking at pitchers they're probably never going to see ever in their lives and still hitting the ball as hard as they can in, in, in spring training. So for me, it's Victor Martinez. My, you know, sort of heart pick would be Edwin. Yeah, at least as far as how to be a Blue Jay and how to win damn ball games, Edwin Encarnacion's a big tip to the hat on that. Ari, what is you? What are you liking about having these pieces around camp, or what are you thinking? I'm thinking that uh, the fact that they're bringing back some of my favorite Blue Jays players of all time, <laughs> not just of recent memory, but all time, uh, is significant. It's not lost on me. Uh, incredibly underappreciated Blue Jays, I might add. I don't think Pat Hedkin nearly got the credit he deserved because his time was overshadowed during those couple years that Roger Clemens came in and taught everybody how to win triple crowns while cheating. And then you had uh, <laughs> then you had Edwin overshadowed by Jose, right? Everybody was talking about Jose and his, inf- you know, that infamous home run during the Texas Rangers uh, playoff series. But the fact is, I think we can all agree here, pound for pound, that Edwin was not only the better hitter, but I think what was lost in all of those moments of excitement during that era was the fact that he was such an integral part of it. And I think that for Shapiro and Atkins to call upon him and say, look, we want you to bring uh, to our young players an appreciation for what it means to compete, but also to give the advice necessary to be competitive at the plate. This is no longer, uh, you know, average 260, 250 hitting league. The average team's hitting like 230, it seems like. So you're bringing in Victor Martinez. You're bringing in Edwin Encarnacion. You're bringing in Don Mattingly. I mean, Mattingly, listen, I still remember that Simpsons episode where Mr. Burns <laughs> telling him to, you know, shave off the face. Sideburns. Right the sideburns, exactly. It was the sideburns. Still better than working for Steinbrenner. <laughs> you know, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's true, actually. But, but you know. Don's done, Manningly's done it all. He's worked for some real contemptible characters and he's been part of baseball lore during the eighties and nineties for a reason. He knows how the game works. He knows just from remembering how he used to hit and how he approached every at bat. That's what these young blue Jays need, right? They need leaders who can sit them down after a tough at bat and tell them, Hey, look, I spotted something in that eight pitch battle that you should know for next time. And that's priceless. And, and for the organization to recognize that this is what year seven or eight of the current regime for them to recognize that, hey, we've got to go ahead and bring in the best authority and influencers we can. Smart play can only help, especially with those guys. Yeah. And to the underratedness of Pat Hankin, that guy might have had one of the best like eight-year runs of most major league pitchers, <laughs> you know, from 1993, he was a three-time all-star. He was a 19 game winner of the year we won the world series in 93. And then just put up double digit wins for, you know, the better part of a decade. <laughs> so. Quality starts galore, right? Like he was the guy Correct. that you stand out and you knew he'd give you seven qualities, eight quality innings. Um, I, I only regret the fact that if memory serves, he had some arm problems. And the fact that, like I said, it coincided with Clemens' emergence, right? Because didn't it go Henkin and then Clemens for Cy Young? So it was like Pat had a year to enjoy it, and then people forgot about it because they were too busy marveling at the freak that Clemens turned out to be during his time with Toronto. Uh, Basically, post-Blue Jay career, though, like you said, shoulder issues and whatnot just really took it out of him. So, But to that point, like I said. His delivery, right? If you remember, it was like bound to be that way. Because he yeah. was such a gamer and he'd throw as hard as he can. And then eventually yeah. that moment. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting to me, you know, like just to talk the whole circle here, you know, sort of, um, I was a big Hengen guy when he played, I always liked him as a J uh, and he has about the sweetest 
six pictures on his mug with the big handlebar mustache that he he never left for the season i don't ever remember but like his his like stock photo for the jays for a couple of years is just so sweet yeah it's awesome um but you know i couldn't agree with you more ari i mean it's it's i think the jacket is part and parcel of this you know let's start to let's start to be a little bit more serious and let's start to you know, like the Dodgers don't have a home run jacket and they seem to do okay. You know, it's, it's one of those things where you really have to to try and make sure that if you're going to go on a serious run and you are going to, to put the pedal down that you have the right pieces above and below. And I, I really do think that the Jays are really trying to make sure they have the top and the bottom covered on the coaching levels to make sure that the best product hits the field. Yeah. And then unheard of this is the last piece I want to mention on Pat Hankin here. He threw over 260 innings in 1996 and 1997 before Roger Clemens came in. Well, Just saying. Wow. <laughs> Nobody does that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Dave Steve school of, uh, of gamesmanship, right? Like that, that, that dude didn't, did, not only was Dave Steve their greatest pitcher in history, I believe personally, but he's someone that, I think passed on to certain players that joined them later in their history, a sense of recognizing that if they worked on their game, they could be the franchise best. And I think for Henkin as a blue Jay, that's all he cared about was knowing that he was like Dave Steve, you could count on him. And then you never heard him complain once, right. About anything. In fact, what wasn't the infamous Tim Johnson scandal, the result of him coming to Pat and asking him to sit for a start that he wanted to put Roger Clemens in instead or something like that. If memory, like, again, I'm going back to something years. like that, but, but it shows you he got over it and he came out the next start and he competed. And I hope we see that. I hope we see that in a rotation that has a lot of promise because there are guys out there who will be supported and an organization that wants to see them succeed. And that's where you get Pat Hankin to sit down with them and say, let's work together, make you even more successful. So moving along, fellas, let's talk new MLB rules because we finally seen some of these rules in action over the last week here with the games finally starting the we're going to save a special little time for the clock. (laughs) So we're going to pause on that part for a minute. But the rest of the rules um, we've all I have already noticed that the and this might just be because of Blue Jayisms and where the team's going. Things are moving on the base paths. And it might be because of some of the extra pieces that we're talking about here with no, no shifts for legit. And the fact that the, you know, bases are actually like a pizza box now, not a little tiny little guy, (laughs) things like that. But how much do you see these rules outside of the, like I said, which will be a debate on the pitch clock fun that we've been all experiencing and seeing so far in major league baseball. Um, Ari, how are you thinking? These are, uh, do you think, I think right now, as far as where things go, these rules are starting to benefit the Toronto Blue Jays. And I, like I said, I think you're seeing that on the base paths. I think that's an incredibly fair assessment, but at the same time, it, it hurts me a little bit to know that the Blue Jays had to fundamentally adjust their team for the rules. When I always grew up with the game being very organic and I really enjoyed teams that could find ways to win within the rules themselves, if you know what I'm talking about, right? I think my problem with all these rule changes is that they force teams to literally adapt or die. And the Blue Jays seem to have gotten a head start on that, right? They recognize the importance of, first of all, having players who understand the fundamentals because these rule changes are meant to encourage the baseball game to be played in a way that keeps the momentum going. 
it is kind of artificially creating it because it's forcing pitchers and hitters who are a little longer in the tooth to adapt. I think that's where we're going to see the problem with these rules is that it wasn't it Manny Machado who already spoke out about it in lieu of that game that ended based on the pitch violation. He came out and complained about that. And I thought to myself, 99% of these complaints will come from players over the age of 30. Most mm-hmm. of them at the age of 25 will be saying, all right, we're, we're learning the new reality. I'm not a big fan of it. I'm just telling you right now, I, I'm, I'm a purist when it comes to the organic nature of the way the game unfolds, but then I can find ways to have three and a half hours to watch the game. In this new reality where they want to shorten the game and make it more marketable and commodified in that regard, I think the Blue Jays, specific to your question, are going to be ahead of the pack. And I love the fact that they made themselves not just faster, but smarter. Because if there's anything that bothered me more in the last couple of years, it's watching how many innings they ran themselves out of. You know, like a like a curse on the reality of what what they were trying to do, and I think that the management's lifted that because if a for a few weeks there that Boba Shack couldn't buy a base, (laughs) you know, it's funny. Bo is not just going to learn how to be a better hitter and a runner from the support staff, but he's going to see guys around him who know how to play Gold Glove quality baseball. So the rules have been adapted so that now if you're a good defensive team that plays a fundamental game, you can slay a giant, you can destroy a team potentially i shouldn't use the word destroy because if you get if you get somebody like a yankees in town you have to recognize the fact that there will be certain guys who will mash the ball but in clutch situations the rule changes have addressed the fact that if you play the game properly you'll get more success than if you try to create something from nothing and i think the blue jays were just doing that way too much too many base running mistakes too many errors caused from lackadaisical play. Now the game is forcing you to play it the right way or you simply lose. And during 162 games, if you lose a lot, it's not going to be fun. I did read something the other day that with the biggest push on this whole thing was like you said, Ari, how you create more runs. How do you get batting averages up? How do you get the leveling of the pitcher versus hitter combination? (laughs) There was some stat that I saw that basically since 2010, it's been like falling off a cliff with how many runs have been saved kind of like thing. (laughs) So it's going to be interesting to see where some of these pieces go. Um, Masters of the game figured that out, right? That's why they delivered these changes. I still think Rob Manfred didn't do it properly necessarily, but he had to do something. So adapt or die. And I think the Blue Jays are, are going to adapt to this new reality of these rule changes. Hey, Ari, I biggest, yeah, go what ahead. Do think, what do you think? I've been, I've been, you know, going over this a lot, and I'll ask this to all three of you. Actually, I actually feel like, like a team like the Jays, who have a ton of baseball acumen, um, like you said, they seem to be able to adapt. They seem to be very deep in baseball knowledge, and again, this speaks to Mattingly and some of those other people coming to the Jays, which is great. Do you think that a team like the Rays, um, who've been relying on athleticism rather than baseball, you know, acumen, do you think this this some of these rules really kick the shit out of them? Or do you think it's one of those things that like you'll see a team like the Texas Rangers, again, not a great baseball team, athletic, but like, do you think those those teams will just plummet within this until they start to to get actual baseball players, not athletes? That's a really great question. And I think the only way I would answer that question is by acknowledging the fact that you chose Tampa Bay, which is a team that has developed a tradition that has been envied because they've already been playing this game as if these new rules existed, right? They couldn't they couldn't just rely on doing the conventional things that the Red Sox or Yankees were doing. So what they did was they developed a culture that stressed the importance of defense first, of speed, opportunistic speed, not reckless speed, because the Blue Jays have had nothing but reckless speed, it seems like, for years. 
And this was part of the reason to change it, right? Is to not just address the fact that you need players who are more in tune with the rule changes, but you need to establish a culture like the like the Rays have done, where people who come into play, you know, you're going to be competitive because you figured out some kind of culture or paradigm within that culture when it comes to approaching baseball games. That's where I think, even though I detest the nature of the changes of these rules, I love the fact that the Blue Jays have built themselves if they stay healthy, to take full advantage of it. Like I said, I don't think it's an, a strange thing to witness American, you know, ESPN, American sports uh, hubs telling you that they're this good. Because in the past, I would have been cynical and said they have no idea what they're talking about. But now I'm kind of looking at the big picture. And to your point, I think that these kinds of rule changes will will um, ultimately benefit those who've already figured out how to play disciplined baseball. Yeah, so I and the big thing to- for me... The big thing for me too is I love the two pickoffs, the only two pickoffs. I mean, I I don't know if there's anything I like better than watching guys steal bases. Like just to hear the ball hit the glove and see the guy going behind the pitcher, you can see him going and you're like, is he going to get him? Is he going to get him? Is he going to get him? I have a son who's a catcher. So again, the other thing that I've noticed, and I don't know if you guys have noticed this, there's already been four guys picked off at first base with a, a no look throw to one. And I think that that's another yeah. thing where we see a change that gets put put into the game and the, the players who aren't paying attention to what's happening, they're going to have a real rude awakening for the first couple of months. And as far as Machado goes, just get your batter's gloves on and get in a box. Like for the love of God, like stop rubbing the dirt, stop eating a sandwich. Like, like Nomar Garcia pirate is long gone. We don't need a full, you know, a full, uh, studio walk up to get your stuff <laughs> just tighten them up once that you you get a new pair every time you walk into the dugout anyways so strap yeah. them on and get out there and hit the ball well said here here i i agree with you so but i do i don't know what's going to happen with those pickoff moves that 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 seems to me a ripe ballpark for a really good base stealer to just drive a pitcher wild and get the free base you can know you what I mean without that, even can, having to work for it. Can you walk me through that pick a pick out rule you're talking about the two pickoffs? When it, oh, can you guys... So the pitcher is only allowed to make a move to first base twice. So at, at, you know, per at bat. So oh, per at bat. Okay. If I if I'm a good base dealer, I'm going to want to bait that bait the pitchers. I'm going to want to take bigger leads. It's going to encourage more action at first base. Uh, and like I said, what it also does is these guys are taking more aggressive leads to try and get a, a throw over. And they're so far off the base that catchers are able to throw them out at one. So it's an interesting paradigm that you want the aggression on the bases. You want to see guys, you know, sort of tempting the pitcher to come at them, but they also have to be smart enough to know that a 90, you know, eight mile an hour fastball can be thrown back faster than they can get back to the base. If they're not paying attention, lazy baseball is gone. This pulls a big yeah, chunk of lazy baseball it. out and just says, sorry, you can't do that shit anymore. You can't walk back to first base because the catchers are so good. They're going to throw you out. Especially Pretty our cool. two catchers. They love throwing at the first base. <laughs> so, um, is, it's going to be interesting to see rules. This is where the new rules influence the decision. I believe to trade Moreno. Because I don't know if they trade them. I don't know if they trade him knowing that the game has changed the way it does. And and so it's great that you brought up the tandem because I think, I think uh, Kirk and uh, Jansen are in for a really great year with these rules. 
you know, we need a bell this. or a horn or something like that when our special guest that really hammers one out of the. Can we get like a swing of a bat <laughs> or so, you know, like the home run sound or something when our our guest? Right, I'm gonna have to ask you where you got your stadium sounds from, and I guess integrate that into Ken's little switch for you. I'm just gonna wear jackets. That's what I'm gonna do when I'm on the show. I'm gonna wear a new jacket. <laughs> the He's getting one of our fan views uh, commenting from afar going, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> listen, listen, oh, listen, you guys know if we if we had a Vince Coleman or a Ricky Henderson in this era, they'd steal 200 bases because they, Easily. They, they would develop themselves to this new game and take full advantage of it. And I think this is where the Blue Jays have a real opportunity by not necessarily having blazing fast guys. I don't need guys to opportunistically steal bases. What I need are base runners who know the fundamentals of when to take a base. Correct. Yeah. And that guy all of a sudden becomes a 30 base guy all of a sudden, right? All right, all right. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, take take a look at even in his, in his what, he's 39, Kiermaier, or 37? How old is Kevin Kiermaier? He's fast. But, but he's quick. Yeah. Yeah. So his legs are back underneath yeah, him now, finally. No by the way, between quickness and, and being overall, you can have overall top speed, but do you have a yeah. really good first jump out of the gate on what could turn into a basis clearing, you know, double? And The other thing that the, always the Jays that. did really poorly last year was was acknowledge the base they could take. So if balls hit to the outfield, it's hit into a gap. They're not reading where if you watch, like Springer's very good at it. Springer can read a ball when it's hit. He's not looking out there. He knows yep. already that he's going for third base. And I feel like, again, this speaks to some of the coaching where you'll be standing at first base and you know you've got good speed there and you have to remind that guy, if it's hit into the gap, I don't want you to think I want you to run to third base. Just go. Trust yourself that you're fast enough. You can get a good lead. You're all, we're already being aggressive on how we're trying to take bases. Just, you know, keep going with that kind of a mentality because once you stop, what, so what happened with the Jays last year is they were running with fear. A ball would get hit into the outfield. They'd round second base, and you could already see that their feet were slowing down. There was no speed up. There was no rounding of the base. And, you know, again, to a new rule, the base is now 18, was it 18 inches? It's big. So yeah. they're actually cutting off. I watched the thing on this. They're cutting off like two and a half feet of circumference around the diamond. If That's you huge. can cut the angle the right way to second base. So yeah. let's call it four feet. So if I slide and I'm six foot two, I've got two more extra feet now to be safe if I'm running it at a good speed. So I would be encouraging guys especially really tall ones. No, I'm just kidding um, to, to try and take that extra base because I mean, you've gained four feet if you learn how to run the bases properly. Yeah. And then not to mention if you're Dalton Varsho or somebody stealing the base that I think it's gotten that much harder for the catcher to actually get somebody out. You're going to get the ball there in time, but there is now that bigger area that the guy trying to tag you out has Good to point. cover. It's not just a quick sweep anymore. You might have to do a sweep and a shift to get to the far, far side of the bag or wherever it might be that you're actually trying to reach somebody. I don't know if you remember uh, sort of in the, in the eighties, late eighties, there's a lot of guys who would drop a knee. They catch the ball and they drop a knee down like that. So I think you'll see a lot of guys dropping that knee and then pulling the knee out and leaving the tag there. They want to drop. You must have a foot. kid in little league. <laughs> um, <laughs> but they they want they want your foot or hand to be driven to the outside of the base, and that eliminates that extra size. So the more yeah. you can block it before somebody gets there, I think you'll see more of those sort of savvy 
uh, shortstop and second baseman moves that drive a runner that we don't even see, you know, until you see the super slow-mo replay and they're like, oh, wow, like he had nowhere to go with his hand there except where he tried to put it. And that's why he's out. You're not going to see any more Javi uh, Baez freaking no look freaking tag outs anymore. I can tell no. you that. <laughs> so. you know Pregners, uh, Varsho and, and Springer players of that ilk already learned the fundamentals of base running long before they made it to the majors. And if there's mm-hmm. specific players we can point last year who were struggling on the base paths, as Jason so eloquently put it, uh, I would look to Guriel Jr. and Hernandez. Those two were the biggest dog's breakfast on the base path. As soon as they were in flight, you what I would do is whenever I would see one of our hitters hit a gapper or or maybe a trip, a potential triple, I would I would look at the runners and the moment it dawned on me that they were either Hernandez or Guriel Jr., I knew it would be an adventure. Usually a horrible misadventure, ending with someone <laughs> slamming his helmet on the ground and fixing his hair, which had been messed during the process. So now we don't have that. Now we have guys who are like Varsha will run through 10 football fields and six walls if it means scoring, you know, from first. And and you're going to see that. I mean, Blue Jays fans are in for such a treat when it comes to watching guys yeah. like him play the game the way it was meant to be played. And I, I like the way that, that Kiermaier, um, I don't know if you've ever seen, have seen the interviews and stuff with him. I mean, he looks mad. He looks, he, I don't know what has happened or what's transpired, but that guy really wants to win. And I, you know, I know he's your favorite, Craig, but like, I watched him hit BP and he was like other guys are like, you know, they're kind of clapping and, and looking at him and he's just dead eyed. He's like, he, he, he wants to murder every baseball. And I think also to the, to, to your point, he wants to prove people that if 37, 38 or whatever he is, he can still run. He can still play. He's got a chip, man. Yeah. He's got a mat. He doesn't have a chip. He's got a, a, a boulder a block <laughs> avalanche. Yeah, he's got the rock, right the rock Johnson. I hope I'm wrong. I really do, but I'm still not going to forgive him for stealing freaking signs a few years ago. I don't care. <laughs> so and it's the same reason. And this is nothing against Kiermaier as much as I like George Springer being in a blue Jays uniform. I will never buy a Toronto blue Jays, George Springer Jersey because of the Astros affiliation from a million years ago, but I can yeah. enjoy him being a Toronto blue Jays fan. But as a baseball fan, I can't do that to my son. So, and my biggest gripe on the whole Kevin Kiermaierism thing here, as we're talking base running and all this other stuff is I'm going to quote a classic blue Jay player for you guys are going to agree to me. I will be shocked if he's anything more than Rajay Davis. And that's because you can't steal first base. (laughs) (laughs) Craig, I can't let you off the hook here. The one thing about George and you know me, if there's anyone who likes to point out the sad irony of how these players are doing post Houston Astros garbage banging, cheating ways. It's me. I don't like what's happened afterwards. I felt, I felt that there wasn't punishment meted out to anyone really that should have been culpable, including Correct. who's that, you know, who's the, who's the diminutive phenom. Um, his name is oh, um, Pena, right? Right. No, Jose yeah. Altuve, right? I used to be the uh, yeah. first person cheering for the fact that he was lauded as the small guy who overcame odds. And then of course you learn he was right in the middle of it all. With Springer, though, I'm going to quickly take you to task and remind you that much like Shoeless Joe Jackson, if you look at his statistics pre and post the cheating uh, block of time that they analyzed, yeah. he was very consistent. Cheating didn't like I benefit. Said, I wasn't trying to get a Springer bash going here. <laughs> I love George Springer and what he brings to this team. But like I said, that doesn't mean I had to go out and run about and buy his jersey. But then again, I, uh, you know, I'm also fearful of ever buying anybody's jersey because everybody's jersey I buy these days turns into a, a an egg. Brett Laurie, 
<laughs> you know, all these kind of guys you I bought, you, Travis Snyder. With the Lori, uh, <laughs> I could not pound enough Red Bull while I was anxiously light waiting in line for that, jer- that jersey. <laughs> if you really want to torture yourself, go back to the tape of the final play of last year when uh, one of the final plays when he collided with Bichette. And imagine for a moment how great that catch would have been had Bichette not stuck his fat ass in the way. Because if you watch the replay, he timed it perfectly honestly look yeah. at the tape he was right there and you would have bought a jersey after that game because you would have been so <laughs> impressed that he got it but you know no, I'm, I'm i'm channeling ken up here buying a kelly gruber instead <laughs> oh. <laughs> i didn't even say it this time <laughs> i didn't even say it this time <laughs> ken i feel like slowly becoming a tradition on this show that there's got to be a kelly gruber reference like every week <laughs> absolutely <laughs> i have no problem with that kelly gruber, kelly gruber. so as we uh, talk to the yeah, as we talk the end of the rules here, the biggest the elephant in the room has been the pitch clock. And I have seen the pitch clock in minor league baseball for a million years, but I do not recall at minor league level the offensive part of the, the batter actually being on a pit on a clock at all or any kind of situation in any of the stuff in the minor leagues. And you guys are more than welcome to correct me if I'm wrong. I just never noticed because it never happened. But I thought the whole concept was a pitch clock that gets the game moving pretty good as it is. <laughs> when did the next, I have to worry about the umpire tracking yet another thing when we all know there's angel Hernandez is out there uh, and worrying yeah, about something Hernandez else going on on a diamond. <laughs> the, the Laz Diaz is out there. The CB Buckner's out there. Believe me, there are a lot of umps out there who will make a travesty of this rule, but they I are mention- piling so much stuff on the home plate umpire with a lot of these new rules. And now they're having to worry about determining when the hitter establishes eye contact with the damn pitcher to quote unquote, kill that clock, which is being relayed to them through some kind of a buzzer mechanism is what I was told, told in during the broadcast, just like everybody else the other day, I'm just sitting here going, okay, first off, there's so many things that happen to happen right there. The jackass up in the booth has to reset the clock <laughs> the right time every time like an nba shot clock guy and then he's probably the same jerk doing the pitch clock so there's a guy sitting there going all day <laughs> and then the it's got to get to the umpire for them to make the decision it's just fifty and thousand in one horrible it's situation i think i think it's the first thing you'll see gone um i mean i think that the the establishment of the pitch the pitch clock is what they want i think they're testing the water on the batter's clock and then uh, you know, we're going to see different manifestations of it. I, 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 I might even think before the season starts, they yank that out. Um, I know it's a bit, and if, old. if not, it's got to at least be longer. Yeah. And yeah. It, my biggest fear on that new rule with the hit, the hit clock thing, we've seen it already happen. It's been five days as of the day of this recording in major league baseball for spring training games. I mean, we've already seen two instances that I'm saying are going to happen at some giant monstrous playoff game level thing for some team. And it's going to be a shit show. And that's going to how a game is going to end. And it's going to be the biggest nightmare. It's going to be the room to door running in from third base equivalent to blue Jays fans at some point for some team in major league baseball, just that's my prediction. If it stays the way it is. <laughs> so sorry, there's a hit clock too. I thought there was just a pitch Correct. clock. No, so just kind of lumping them as one thing, but it's okay. really two things. <laughs> Ari, I clearly careful. see something 
well, brewing. Jason and, and, and Ken just, you know, I, I love Ken's bewilderment because I, I, I also felt that when I found out about it. I was like, what, it's not enough to do it on one side, but now they've done it on the other. And Jason, you mentioned Nomar Garcia Parra. What would have happened if he was if he were still playing today? He would not be able to adjust. It'd be too much of the... What violations all over the place, Ari. It was a good 30-second dance. And then how many times did Garcia Parra do the thing and then get in, get ready, get the bat, and then, oh, fuck that, bat, bat. The Blue Jays human resources for players is like, we're going to have a seminar on how to anticipate the pitch clock because there will be, well, then again, how many long-in-the-tooth players do they really have, right, who are hitters? I mean, yeah. if you kind of think about it, the ones who are the veterans are, are going to adjust because they're gamers to begin with. Maybe the younger guys will struggle. I, I agree with you. I think it's one of those things, Craigers, where eventually they'll look at it halfway through the season and say, you know what, we're getting into playoff considerations. It's later in the season. We don't want games to be decided by the fact that a hitter might take an extra second or two to get into the box. You know, that would be, I think, perverting the game in some respects because it's no longer organic. Everything is now piecemeal analytics broken down to how much time and reaction and and that's not what fans want they just want entertainment so they'll probably tinker with that to figure out if it works after they see the first yeah. months worth of analytics and how many games are struggling yeah all right, if you just want to have the hit clock thing yeah. i think you need to have the catastrophic like if you went this far you're that stupid <laughs> 15 seconds there whatever it is right now come yeah. on ken i didn't mean to cut you off no, sorry just, it was one one quick point just for the fact that you know I'm a big, I enjoy playing tennis and I do all this. I know this is not a tennis thing, but actually, well, sometimes I think analysts can go a little bit too extreme to the point that Novak Djokovic, one of the best tennis players in the world, they actually had a thing where they were counting how many times he was bouncing the ball before each surf. At the end of the day, I'm like, how does that really help or, or anything? What, what value is that? Right. Because like, yes, he bounces the ball a lot. Right. So that's what I'm saying. All right, this clock is going to be interesting, but I think, like you said, when it comes to like those playoff games type things, like do we want any violations that could be killing, you know, the momentum of the game of, of these things, right? And Absolutely. you said these are there's already, already been two examples already. You guys mentioned already. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's one game ending one. Yeah, one mm -hmm. game ending one. Yeah, Manny wow. Machado was called out on the pit, on the hitter clock with the was it was this the one that was the bases loaded in the ninth in the ninth inning or whatever it was and oh God, the game wow. ended <laughs> there was one like that the other day too i think that might have been the wow. phillies well, um, Ken, that's a great example because tennis has struggled with that quite recently with players who are usually older and more veteran based rather like the youngins are ready to go right but what you find is some of yeah. the older players take their time you look at hockey as another example how many times did you used to see uh, a center being thrown out of the circle because he took too long for the faceoff. But one of the things I love about hockey is the officials usually give a warning. And I think that as long as the umpires give the players fair warning, then the player can argue that I saw this, I didn't see this out of left field and I just cost my team the game. So there has to be some balance there. Again, the average umpire who is young and ready to go and, and helps the game is one thing, but there will be an Angel Hernandez who will somehow screw this up and end up calling with the worst possible time. And it's going to be a veritable shitstorm of criticism. And that'll probably force MLB's hands if they notice it's not trending in the right Hence direction. my fear. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm the wonderful 
microcosm that is every horrible thing that can ever happen to a sports franchise been being a Buffalo Sabres fan, a Buffalo Bills fan, and a Toronto Blue Jays fan. <laughs> so just saying, I've seen this shit happen. It's from a Brett Hull leg kick. It's to the, like I said, the ruin the door thing is to losing four straight Super Bowls in weird epic fashion. <laughs> it's all these things. And I just think it could happen. It will always be a hell of an achievement. I don't care what anyone says. Just the fact that they got yeah, to <laughs> lucky bastard anyway <laughs> so um before we you know go too far and long in the tooth on that i actually want to talk blue jays early spring training observations because there has been a lot of really cool things happening with this team and i want to talk with the first main topic of this whole section is the fact that ricky tiedemann is something crazy and has set the blue jays twitter world on fire <laughs> Um, I think you guys remember my bold prediction was that he pulls a very Alec Manoa version of him's, you know, modern 2023 version and runs into the season and steals a job from somebody on this pitching staff. And after watching the game yesterday, the highlights, that's not too far off. I don't think at least for what we saw, he did strike out Javier Baez, who's a major league, you know, caliber crazy contract player does swing at everything <laughs> but he got him out and it was very cool um and looked very good with a fastball changeup mix ken did you see any of those highlights of ricky tiedemann pitching yesterday all i can say was wild thing with control that's the way i would kind of look at it because he was just enough to be scary <laughs> yeah he was throwing the ball like it owed him money like it's like i don't know what it was but i was just like wow i was I was just blown away by that. And like, you're right. He might actually do it. Let's hope he knock on wood doesn't get hurt. And uh, hopefully he can definitely contribute. Now he's going to be a starter. I'm assuming, right? He is a starter, but right now he hasn't played above double a baseball. So he's probably destined to start in double a again, maybe to finalize his pedigree. They might force, he might force their hand and getting him to start in Buffalo though, is starting to look where it's trending towards. Mm -hmm. Yeah, keep doing what he's doing and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll probably see him soon. Yeah, I agree with yeah. you, Craig. That I, th I think he's Buffalo bound. Um, he may even be able to eke himself a job, you know, at least a, a, some consideration. I don't know if you guys saw it or not, but he started Baez off with a 98 mile an hour pitch, a slider. And Baez is a, like you said, he's a free swinger. But I mean, if you throw Baez the same pitch twice, he says he uh, Baez to a lot of baseballs. <laughs> so what does what does Steedman do? He throws a, a ninety-seven mile an hour slider as the second pitch. Like that's what I want to see. I want to see somebody who's that young and that confident to say, you know what, Javi, I missed with the first one, and you know this is coming. He, he can see the grip. He knows he's throwing a slider, and he can't catch up Good to luck, it. it. And then he he throws him an eighty-seven mile an hour curveball or changeup. And then blows a 99 mile an hour fastball by him to strike him out. Like it's, it's confidence like that, that you can't teach. And Ricky looked good the whole way through the inning. Like he looked confident. He looked like he was where he was supposed to be. Um, I mean, after seeing this, I like, I'm fairly sold on, on the, on the Ricky trade. I like, I like a lot of what I saw. This is what I was seeing watching him play in New Hampshire on minor league TV all last year. And there's a reason I was excited about this kid. And I'm sitting here going, wow, they're going to have a hard time keeping him down in the minor leagues. Just like we saw with Manoa the year he came up and took the league by storm. Um, Ari, 
that is what Jason just laid out is more or less the Randy Johnson equivalent, just not as tall. <laughs> He's better looking than Randy. I think Jason is spot on, although I'm still enjoying Ken's uh, expression there. What was it again? Throwing the ball like it owed him money. Yeah. Oh, wow, I'm still going to use that. And I will give you credit. Don't worry. Um, to, to, to your point, Jason, one of the things that I love is that when you bring in a young guy like that, who you know is going to be throwing heat to impress the brass, it elevates everyone else's game, right? You look at Kikuchi, right? I mean, in this room, we have four men in different states of beard growth. If we kind of lined this up, start and then maybe Jason and Ben. You're Craig, not wrong. You know what I mean? And then we end up with me. And I'm sitting here and I'm stroking my beard and I'm thinking it's working for Kikuchi more than working for him. It's giving yeah. management a chance to see that he's really adjusting to these new rules because it doesn't give him time to think too much because overthink yeah (laughs) and that's what i love about the new rules with our pitching staff you've got three starters now who pretty much every week will be coming out and giving you quality starts that's what you're going to get from uh from a manoa a a gosman and a bassett but what i love is that we have all these other moving parts including barrios who by the way i still think will look at this and say i've got to put up or shut up and that guy has the kind of stuff like a teedman that makes you go Holy cow, This when he's on, he's really on. So I love the fact that they're letting this kid steal the thunder. You know, Craigers, you were always a big pitching prospects guy. For you to see the team with this kind of talent competing in this year and still have a guy like a Tiedemann around that you could bring up, you know, it, it didn't work out with Nate Pearson, but that's unfortunate because of injuries. But this... That's got a different story going, though. <laughs> that is true. It's a different narrative. And he's not done either because he's only, what, 26, 27. You may still have a shot yeah. at it. But I love the the Ricky story and what he's doing coming to camp and turning heads because it means that this Blue Jays rotation will potentially be even better just from the monster pushing the old, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, and then just to throw that out there, I was going to talk about Jose Barrios next, who had a very solid start in his outing. Um, I think I was reading that he was throwing his sinker 60% of the time instead of throwing just a straight baseball, but that might be just enough because the biggest problem wasn't with him finding the zone last year, guys. It was the fact that they were just squaring him up. If he can get back to missing some bats, there's something there, Ari. Craigers, he needs to learn how to waste pitches properly because every time he tried to waste a pitch, he came back to haunt him last year. Uh, another thing, another thing too, is we need to acknowledge the fact that he was the worst statistical starter in the American League. And for me, when you are literally at the bottom, when you have like a minus one and a half war, when a pylon could do better just resting on the mound than what you contributed to your team last oh, year, you've only got one way to go, and that's up. So <laughs> I, I want to see him rebound. He he got the contract right. He makes he makes good money. What did he make last year, Craigers? You guys remember what he? Made I'd have to look year? it up, but I rem, I was excited. And mind you, I've seen Jose Barrios since he was a Rochester Red Wing here in my hometown. So I've been. This is to me watching what he did last year was just watching what used to be just the Jose Barrios ups and downs. The problem is it was more down last year than it was climbing back up it was very inconsistent so to the point but the guy's never had over four era in his career for it to all of a sudden happen last year 
it is very, very odd. And it just makes you wonder what was going on, what was between the ears, what was going on. And I think he went into this off season with that chip on his shoulder and really put the work in it because more or less every interview I've been hearing from Ross Atkins and all the other gang and including Eric Troyden from Jay's journal that actually just interviewed Jose Barrios for the Jay's journal. Um, he was not mentally in the best place last year for whatever the reason was. And when you're struggling with some of those things, it's amazing if you can stay straight on the mound, you know, this is how it is. So if he's figured that stuff out from being at the player development center, basically the whole winter and really working on his game, I think we saw the start of some of that the other day during his start. He's uh that's what I'm saying. He makes, he's on a three year, $36 million deal. You make 10 this year. Kikuchi at 10, I think. And Barrios is going to make almost 16. I think he's like 15, 7, I believe. Something like that. That's an astonishing But to that point, I would have paid him that contract based on his tenure all day. And I wouldn't have even thought about it. And I didn't think about it at the time. Yeah, but in hindsight, everything. That he'd be the worst pitcher. You'd anticipate that even in an off year, he would have given them maybe three extra wins, which would have translated into a six-game differential. And who knows what that could have spelled last year. So the way I see it, they got no value from him. And now he's back, still making Mm -hmm. 15, 16 million a year. But this time with... uh, with a lot of uh, redemption as his arc. He needs to prove yeah. that he can do it because otherwise Kikuchi will step into the fourth spot and then they might seriously give a young Ricky Tiedemann a chance to, to get something yeah. done because there will be no patience for long stretches of mediocrity with this Blue Jays team. You, you know, this whole show, we've got the right coaches, the right influencers, the right talent. Time to get it done. Put up or shut up which is the exact mantra I feel like from everything going on this spring training. I don't know if you guys watch the MLB network at all, but yesterday they had all the MLB camp stuff for uh, the Toronto blue Jays. It was a whole hour long show and they were on everything. So interviews with Bo Vladdy, Kiermaier Springer, Atkins, name it. <laughs> so good times. So it was very good to watch. So if you haven't gotten a chance, that mantra is very, very quickly noticed amongst those guys during those interviews of put up or shut up to your words. <laughs> you know, Jason, for you, it's got to be hell of a time at the journal because back when I was writing and doing podcasts with the Jays journal, it was mostly about lamentation, right? The 2016 mm-hmm. run ended. Uh, Anthopolis was gone. You know, that incredibly. You mean video. when this was your show? <laughs> you know what when, when this was my show it was all about lamentation and fetching and kind of like saying to yourself oh man we missed a window and what's yeah. exciting now mm-hmm. is that the window is not only open but this is a legitimately great baseball club in a very competitive division and it is time and you know you have the maple leafs going out and making all these moves and getting exciting the raptors have to rebuild but then again they won a championship so for all i care they can rebuild for the next five years and i'm patient with that but these blue jays if they don't if they don't get the momentum, I'm curious how all three of you think about this question. What's going to happen if they do fail? What if we hit June and July and this team's at 500? Well, I mean, you know, Good as question. somebody who's on the other side of Canada, I know how well the Leafs nation has responded to them not doing well for the number of years they have. Um, I feel like the Jays have a bit more rope than certainly the Leafs do and much more than the Raptors. The Raptors rope is shortening. but if they're not doing well, I actually feel like this might be the first time we see the Jays mid season really go at it. Like we're like, okay, you're not working out. You're out of here. You're not working out. You're out of here. Like 
they're they, they I feel like they they think they've got about a three year window right now, and they really feel like they're going to win a World Series within one of those three years. And so, you know, I, I think that that people will be will be angry. I don't know if they'll be as angry as Leaf fans are, but they there certainly will be more of a um, an ability for you to ma- maybe make some moves. I mean, there's a lot of injuries in a baseball season, and you know, we have a lot of talent. And so if you're getting into those dog days and it's just not working out, maybe it's time to, to shop boat. Maybe it's time to, to make a big move like that, where you can pick up two good players and a prospect and push yourself in through to August and, and really make a, make a run. I mean, if they're out, they're out, they'll burn the building down, but I mean, (laughs) you know, not the new line 500 levels, man. The clubs are really bouncing. (laughs) <laughs> but I mean, 300 million in renovations you can't you can't desecrate that that's such no. value <laughs> but i think maybe it'll is, be having too much fun in the catch bar to yeah. notice the fact that we put a shit product on the field by accident i don't <laughs> but to that point i think what will happen is matt chapman will be the first to go because he's got nothing yeah, left on this team he'll be the first one you'll get something back and then to Aspinall, your point you've got lots of they've got lots of ability to move a good player if needed um, yeah. And, you know, in the emergence with, uh, of people like as and Barger this cool, spring man. so far, have been very impressive along Love with, I don't know if you guys saw the uh, home run that Zach Brinton hit yesterday for the not relief pitcher from the Orioles days, but Blue Jays prospect Zach Brinton. <laughs> Ball says um, landed yet. What are you talking about? Shot. Yeah. yeah. So it was a monster. We were talking about Edwin. So it's only fitting you bring up Zach Britton, right? So. My only question about the Edwin thing is does Vladdy start and then <laughs> give me a parrot walk into a. Sh- <laughs> so he's such a key cog, right? I mean, we can all agree that this whole season essentially rests on his success because we saw what happened when he was average last year, even though he still had an above average season by anyone's standards. What he failed to do from the previous year is, is, is not necessarily troubling, but it shows you that the window is, like you said, only open so long. And if he has his best season next year, there's no reason why he can't lift this team on his shoulders in that lineup uh, and, and coalesce with all these parts. It's, it's, I have to admit, I'm more excited about this team in some respects than what they did in 2015, because in 2015, it was a, a month and a half. And Tulowitzki didn't even really hit until the playoffs. Now they're starting a fresh season, 162 games with a good value of young and old, you know, a great young nucleus, a lot of old veterans and wizards sitting around giving advice. It's going to be a fascinating year. I'm quite excited. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So while we talk fun and games here, um, before I give Ari his shameless self-promoting bit here at the end of the show, I have um, I'm a humble man. <laughs> <laughs> I um did I had some I, I think you guys have seen me goofing around with some of the, the AI tools and whatnot online. I actually typed a few random things into the photo generator thing the other day wow. and I wanted to be this goofball that uh just shows some of the weird stupid that I, the internet can provide. And okay. this is my Twitter quick my easy Twitter and uh Instagram clickbait for the, the segment here. <laughs> I picked some pictures i may have generate some pictures based on certain blue jays players and i'm going to see if you can name who these pictures are yes yeah. this is awesome they're all current all current blue jays so anybody barrios that's uh, espinal no close pitcher Kikuchi. it's barrios <laughs> i should really do a better job of hiding the top left corner and hope you can't read it <laughs> i didn't see it that his names are in the title <laughs> i can't read it it is, yeah, I it is Alec. 
this was me typing in Alec Manoa. And this oh. is what it came up with. Oh, and okay. I'm not going to lie. It looks like it's carrying his intensity of badass. Just yeah. like, <laughs> but I'm sure these other ones are going to be pretty easy. We have. By the way, I was going to say that last picture was an incredibly svelte Alec Manoa. But if yeah, I didn't, that's what threw me off. Is I have to be very careful when it comes to criticizing a player based on his physical appearance. That was oh. Diet Manoa. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then yeah. this is Fluffy somebody. Fluffy Vlad. <laughs> Biggio. No, I'm kidding. Like glad. <laughs> it definitely has Biggio's hair. It, it captured Biggio's hair perfectly. You know, he's, he's got nothing but a crew cut, right? <laughs> so I, but this is the kind of stupid things you can do on the internet. And as a Blue Jays fan, I'm taking advantage of typing in random crap and seeing what comes up. Um, this one came out pretty nice. I thought as far as certain players Springer? go, that is George Springer. I was going to say Springer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, to that point, for something that just randomly puts random crap from the internet together to make cool pictures, I thought so these actually came out pretty nifty. Yeah, are these are these Chat GPT generated AI pictures? Because look at the artwork; it's good stuff. That is that quality of yes. There's an actual. It's called PlaygroundAI.com, and it is a pure photo generator based off of that technology. Ari, so um, I think this one will be free. Oh, quick and easy too. The maple beef, <laughs> as in Alejandro Kirk. <laughs> hey, did you guys hear that he had his wife had a baby? Oh yeah, Amelia. That's so great. Congratulations to congratulations to my maple beef. Absolutely, congratulations to him, and also the fact that he made the decision not to go to the WBC because, as a catcher, I wouldn't want my catcher going to some uh, you know competition internationally before spring training even begins. You know that's wear and tear. I'm glad and he's literally just getting beaten up. <laughs> You know, I, I think it's bad he can't represent Mexico because he's such an important bat in that lineup. But at the end of the day, as Kirk goes, so too will the Blue Jays on, on the strength of his uh, yeah. catching. And um, I forget the the uh, woman's name on ma the Major League Baseball Network that has been on high heat for uh, Vince Russo lately. But um, she's been calling uh, all spring Alejandro Kirk her spirit animal. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> kind of fun and fitting um and then i have the artistic shot oops vladimir grow jr got it no i'm kidding that's bold. that one actually bold. captured in a very nice oil painting the epic flow yep. <laughs> very nice and that's all i got fellas but like i said i was goofing around sitting around trying to do some nothing the other night and this is what i came up with and i'm like i gotta quiz the guys to show this off a little bit, I thought it was kind of nifty. Awesome. So very nice. Anyways, Ari, this is your time to shine. Tell people where they can find you on your wonderful podcast shenanigans. Well, you know, my podcast shenanigans have been limited this year just from being busy, but I hope to be podcasting a lot more, uh, especially on the sports side. Uh, you can find me at uh, whiskeycreammedia.com, which is my little independent media website where I do all sorts of podcasting. And I want to tell you how much I've enjoyed this, uh, Craigers. We should do this one often. And, you know, you you guys are great, uh, Jason and Ken, because I can see how much you guys appreciate this team. And I think that passion is going to resonate with a lot of your viewers, because for people finding this team for the first time, they're going to get a competitive result, I think, this year. But there are some really great storylines, and you covered them in those pictures, you know, whether it's a Springer or whether it's a Kirk or a, a Bo Bichette. I, I still can't get over, by the way, the fact that Bo Bichette is the weakest position player on this team. That's kind of sad because he's a shortstop. But if you look around him, he's got great players who are going to lead by. And example. he's pretty damn good. Just saying. 
you know, he always There's, was. But could I, he I, improve? I felt, Possibly. I felt, I felt this whole arbitration thing really reflected badly in the organization because he is a great player. You don't accidentally lead the league in hits in back-to-back seasons. But as Whit Merrifield will tell you, sometimes you do and people forget you really quickly. You're only as good as your last at-bat. That's life. Speaking of people that are probably going to have a nice breakout this year, I, Whit Merrifield is poised to have a heck of a time batting in the bottom of this lineup and turning things back around and being a very productive second baseman all over again. Acquisition because he can run well. He can hit with contact. He is exactly the kind of player you want with these kind of rules. There you go. So the mold has been uh, established. So Ken, uh, Jason, do you have anything you'd like to add before we do our two claps in the Ric Flair? The only thing I thought, and I, you know, I want, I wanted to sort of plant the seed for next week, maybe. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen, there's been a number of injuries already in the majors. One of them in particular is the LA Dodgers are having a lot of trouble keeping their infielders healthy. So I wanted to just, throw a little, you know, for you, Ken, a little Biggio on the fire. Cause he's having a good start to the, you know, and so let's, let, let's discuss, we'll Kavitz later on, on, on that next week, maybe, but uh, an eminent trade to the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's some very intriguing points on uh, some, you know, affiliated websites to this podcast as in jaysjournal.com exactly to that point more circulating the idea of Santiago Espinal being the best acquisition that the Dodgers could make. Oh. Just saying. <laughs> so there's some gas on that fire, I think. So good deal. Nice so Espinal Merrifield, you've got, you've got options on what you want to do at second. I like it. Yep. It's going to make into that point. That's how you build out this team even further and get it even more ridiculous. If you're able to steal yeah. some stuff for maybe bet, filling that cupboard up of major league close to talent yeah, in the Barger. minor leagues, which is where we're a little lacking outside the ass and bargers, the Uralis Martinez's and whatnot. Uh, you know, uh, the, you like we were talking about, you could be Kyle Dubas and not have draft picks for the next three years, but that's the price you pay for the chance to win. And I'm going to commend the Correct. Blue Jays for finally going. It seems like they're truly going all in, you know, and, and that's important for fans. Like you said, put up or shut up time, man. Got to do something. The window's yeah. open and ready to go. So that's Blue Jays fans, make sure you listen. Hulk Hogan or you're Ric Flair. And I want to be Ric Flair. <laughs> That's why we end the show the way we do. <laughs> there it is. It's like you got segue points there, Ari. <laughs> so Blue Jays fans, make sure you tune in every week, every Wednesday evening. We are here with you at 7 o'clock Eastern time. Owen Accord to 4 o'clock on the West Coast on the Vancouver side where Jason Lyons resides. Uh, make sure you catch us on YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, wherever you can grab your streaming fun from. We are also wherever you get your podcasting pleasures from, whether it be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, any of that good stuff. And until then, fellas, we are the official podcast of jaysjournal.com, part of Fan Sided. And I think it's that time, boys. Ready? One, two, three. Let's go, Blue Jays. Happy spring training, everybody. Kelly Gruber. Thank you for listening to the Jaybird Watching Podcast. Please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Twitch at BirdwatchingGC and our YouTube channel. If you want to support the show and get extra content, please consider joining us to our Patreon at patreon.com slash birdwatchinggc. Go Jays go.